Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Guy Williams, President Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. He joins us every Monday in this hour, and we talk about a lot of things with the international economy, national economy, local economy. Guy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Good to be with you. So, Guy, there was uh, an announcement the other day that Capital One is uh, got an offer to take over Discover. What does that mean? Well, it's an interesting move. Capital One, as we all know, has focused on uh, credit cards. They acquired Hibernia, which was one of the biggest banks in New Orleans and a big consumer bank, but their real focus has changed, and what they want to be is a credit card bank. And they've put their energy in it, they've done a good job with it, and they've expanded significantly. And what they've realized is they're working hard to make money for Visa and MasterCard because they're issuing Visa and MasterCard credit cards. And they looked around and realized, well, what if we issue our own cards? Discover is the fourth largest credit card issuing network behind Visa, MasterCard, and American Express. And so... From a business perspective, it makes a whole lot of sense because you cut out the middleman, you're issuing your own card, you create your own network where you control the network pricing. So I think for Capital One, it really is an incredible move, and I think that uh, you know it's a good strategy. It's interesting because the same week we also had an announcement they were closing their office in downtown New Orleans in the old Hibernia Bank building. And I think that just illustrates the shift in focus. You know, better better to be focused on one thing, which is their credit card business, and not so much focused on traditional brick-and-mortar offices around the U.S., and particularly here in Louisiana. Guy, when it comes to credit cards, if you would, uh, bear with me a second uh, uh, for the not only my benefit, but the benefit of listening audience. There are merchants out there that accept some types of cards, but not others. Why is that? Yeah, there's a slightly higher discount for American Express. And American Express has always offered and the argument, and it's a pretty reasonable argument, that their cardholders are richer, they buy more, and therefore, instead of a 2 or 3% discount, they should get maybe 3 and a quarter or 3.1%. So 
they charge a different discount. Visa and MasterCard charge the same discount. So if you're using Visa and MasterCard, you're paying the same thing and pretty much the same with Discover. But American Express has been able to offer themselves as a premium brand through the years, and it's worked pretty well for them. So they they get that, and that's why you see some places that say they don't accept American Express. So when you say discount, Describe what that actually means, because I think a lot of people may not understand what you're talking about. No, and that's a very good point. So imagine I'm running Guy's Restaurant. Somebody buys $100 worth of sandwiches from my restaurant, pays with a credit card. I get $97, not $100. The 3% goes to Visa MasterCard. So that's the premium that uh, the merchant capturing company, the Visa, the master charges, uh, take off the top in order for the convenience of a credit card. Now, you think, you know, why in the world would merchants do that? There are a couple of reasons. One is you don't have to handle cash. So you're not having to go to the bank and make a deposit. You're not having to, to count it and verify it. But the other thing is people always pay more when they use credit cards. And I'll, I'll give you a real-world example uh, back in the day, I used to be an adjunct professor at Tulane, and I would tell my students, I said, I want you to go to your favorite restaurant. And these are Tulane students, so they were going out to restaurants. They weren't necessarily pinching their pennies that hard. And just buy what you want, use your credit card, and bring the receipts in. And then the next week, I said, all right, I want you to go to the same restaurant, but leave the credit card at home. Don't even have it in your wallet. Don't have it in your car leave it and go with only cash and bring the receipts. And, of course, the students all said, oh, Professor Williams, we know what you're doing. I said, I know you know what I'm doing, but do it anyway. They brought in the receipts. Every single one was less. And I started asking the students, well, why is this? I said, I'm not going to pay that for coffee. I can make coffee in my room. That's ridiculous. I said, well, why wasn't it ridiculous the week before? Some of them had a really good answer, which is my parents pay the credit card. Now, if that's the case, then, yeah, by all means. <laughs> the best answer <laughs> there is. Paying the bill. <laughs> yeah, that's a wonderful thing. I'm going to go to – I'm not going to the local place on uh, Broadway. I'm going to Commander's Palace. But most of them were paying out of their budget. But the difference between using a card and cash was real, and they inevitably spent less. I mean, there wasn't a single student who didn't spend less when they had to bring cash and they didn't have their credit card in their possession. So it's a two-way street. The merchants benefit, and uh, so do the credit card issuers. And I guess consumers do as well because it's convenient. You don't have to carry cash. And, you know, a lot of our younger customers don't carry any cash at all these days. You know, they have their debit card and credit card. And if they have 20 bucks in their wallet or purse, that's a lot. It's really interesting because more and more I seem to run into – to this, the following question: uh, I order food. Uh, I go to pick it up. You paying with cash or credit card? And it seems as though I guess a lot of uh, folks are, are giving you the benefit now of of reduced price if you pay in cash and, and and not the credit card. Yeah, and that's a new phenomenon because originally Mastercard and Visa rules did not allow merchants to do that. If you accepted MasterCard or Visa, you could not give a cash discount. Uh, that was a, a court challenge. The credit card issuers lost. So now you can get an advantage. 
And I mean, the reverse is the same sometimes when you have someone do work at your house and say, well, what if I pay you in cash? Now, that's a little bit different story because perhaps that cash doesn't get all reported on the income statement, but there are times when paying with cash can get you a significant discount. And I noticed, too, and and I'm sure folks are wondering, those that travel abroad, there seem to be um, in the European and Western Europe uh, preferential treatment given to some types of cards as opposed to others. Eastern Europe a little different, and then in other areas of the country, even sometimes even more restrictive as to what credit card they're, they're willing to accept. Why is that? Yeah, for a while, uh, Japan was trying to promote the JCB card. And when you had a lot of Japanese tourists that was looking like it was going to work well, you saw those signs around. That didn't really work. Uh, The winner globally has been American Express followed by Visa MasterCard. And what's interesting is particularly in northern European countries, you have a lot of stores that don't take cash. And they just... They don't want cash. They want to be paid with a credit card, even if it's only for a cup of coffee. They just feel like that's an easier way to do business. Perhaps it's quicker at checkout. But they're pushing for uh, Visa, MasterCard, or, or American Express, but not not so much the uh, JCB and some of the other cards that tried to develop a following. Now, some credit card, some, I should say, establishments charge back the the percentage to you where you bear the cost? What do they have to do in order to accomplish same? Well, they they have to, A, know what, what their cost is, and, and you always wonder, is their cost really 3%? Maybe it's 25 and they're making even a little bit bigger spread. But once they do that, they can they can then tell people, look, we're, we're going to either give you a discount for cash or if you use your credit card, we may even bump the price a little bit. And so you can you can program the registers to do either one. And so both of those options are available right now. And sometimes you get a little bit of double dipping where people are doing both. Yeah, it's kind of uh, interesting how we go through these swings, right? I guess in the economy as to use your credit card more, use it less. For a long time, it was all about the points. You and I have talked about points. If you get them, use them because you never know uh, oh, the viability and, and, and how long those things are going to ha- have any value at all. Well, and you're right about the points because what happens is through the years, the airlines have significantly reduced the value of the points. And so they've, they've never gotten better over time. They always are worth less, and some of the challenges are you want to go to New York and you get your points out, and they want you to go through Cleveland. They say, well, you all have a nonstop flight. Why can't I take that? Uh, Well, that's not available. That's blocked out for points. And you you think you're getting something valuable, but they turn out to be harder to use. I'm more in favor of a cash-back card because you can use cash to buy anything. No, absolutely. So food prices consistently remain high. The Biden administration has gone on a uh, new messaging, I guess, uh, in, in a Super Bowl message. They talked about shrinkflation and corporate greed. What is that what's driving high prices? Not really. And uh, you have to think, <clears throat> and you hear this all the time from both parties, depending on who's in, you know, corporate greed is causing this problem. Human beings haven't changed. 
they aren't more greedy today than they were 10 years ago or 30 years ago. And, you know, back in the robber baron era, when uh, the big fortunes were being built, you would think maybe people were more greedy, but social scientists will say we really are, are pretty much hardwired to be the way we are. Corporations make as much as they possibly can, and the restriction on what they can make is competition. And that's the beauty of the capitalist system. It actually works to restrain corporate greed. You know, corporate greed is simply people trying to make a profit as much as they can. But if you get to the point where you're making an unreasonable profit, a competitor will pop up, charge less, and take away market share. So corporate greed is a fun thing to poke at, and it's fun to call people greedy, but it's really not true because you don't know what's in their hearts. Uh, Shrinkflation is absolutely real. I mean, it is, uh, it's one of those things that intrigues me, and I guess the manufacturers do it because it works. We, we went to the movies the other night, and I got some Raisinets, and, you know, the bag's a certain size, but when you open the box, the bag of Raisinets inside was about half of the uh, box. And that sort of thing has been continuing, where sizes are getting smaller and prices remain the same. And it's a, it's a way of uh, concealing the inflation. And the real challenge that food makers have is that all of their inputs are up, and so prices have to go up, and consumers really, really dislike that. One of the reasons that uh, the administration is so frustrated is that they're looking and saying, well, the economy's growing, unemployment's low, why aren't people giving us any credit? The reason is every week people go and buy food, whether you buy food at a restaurant, at a fast food, or at a grocery You're seeing high food prices every single week, and you're also seeing high gasoline prices. They haven't fallen back to the levels of four years ago. So the consumer with their most visible prices is seeing that they're paying more, and it's very frustrating. I mean, politically it's tough because you're trying to get out a message, everything's good, but the uh, consumer is looking at it saying, it's not that good. My budget's stretched. I'm having a challenge, and I'm having to substitute things that I don't want for stuff that I'd really like to buy. So that's that's one of the big challenges, and that's why they ran that Super Bowl ad. I thought it would have been better to take an advantage and do the uh, the Super Bowl interview that's offered to, to every sit, sitting president, but the ad was a decision instead. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, um, and some are refer- referring to it as greedflation, um, you know, where you get, uh, less for uh, more money, but that's always the case, right? When the inputs go up, when energy goes up, when labor costs go up, insurance costs go up, and all of these things are figured into your fixed operating or variable operating costs, and you and you got to make so much money on top of that. Um, you know, when you just take beef, for example, I mean, beef goes up, uh, and it has to do with a whole lot of different things. Um, I don't see administrations running out there and calling it greedflation. No, and I mean, it really is unreasonable because in any given time, if manufacturers, if merchants could sell things for a higher price and it wouldn't affect volume, they'd raise their prices. It's, you know, that's what you're in business for is to make money. So if you could make more money, you would be inclined to raise your price. It's not an outbreak of greed. It's an outbreak of serious increases of cost. And then for the uh, particularly consumer products, you're wrestling with 
how do I how do I either raise the price or shrink the quantity? What what is going to have the least effect on my sales and my net margin? And that's where the shrinking comes in. That's where you have the small the big box and the uh, small bag of raisinets. Well, you've already bought it at that point, and hopefully by the time you go to the movie theater again, you will have forgotten. So they they rationalize that that's a better way to to do it and a better way to raise the price. But they're challenged because all of their inputs have gotten significantly more expensive. And we've talked about insurance before. Commercial insurance is seriously expensive. And, you know, our insurance commissioner said, look, these things aren't going to go down soon. We're going to do what we can to reduce the rate of growth, but we can't make it go backwards right now because we have too many losses. The price of oil is not going to go down. Uh, the Mideast situation is complicating everything because now with the Houthis shooting uh, missiles at boats, they're choosing to go around Africa instead of through the Suez Canal, and that raises cost of delivery. Energy is getting more expensive as we make a green transition, and you know we can argue about how fast you want to make the transition, but but we are making it, and to the extent we do it quickly, it's relatively expensive. So the manufacturers are stuck with a lot of higher inputs, and the consumers are upset because they're seeing it every week and saying, you know, my life is just not as good as it used to be. And when you have a whole industry that works on a very slim margin, uh, obviously they have to react more quickly than others, right? Oh, yeah. And grocery stores, people forget, grocery stores have a margin less than 5%. So – if they became nonprofits, you'd, you'd barely notice the difference in uh, pricing. But if they became nonprofits, no one would care about having uh, clean aisles and good workers and getting the stuff delivered. So it's a tight business. It's a hard way to make a living, and it's more challenging. And we, you know, we add additional challenges with uh, increased wages, and you know, everyone wants the worker to be paid fairly for what they do. But it also reflects in the price. So that, that adds to the uh, cost pressure, and the consumer ends up looking at it and saying, well, we're not having steak again this week. We just can't afford it. Yeah. Got to get to a break. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Guy, we are uh, approaching the funding shutdown deadline yet again uh, this Friday, March 1st for some of the agencies, and then the others would be March 8th. And because of the discord in the Republican Party in the House, um, I'm not sure where this goes. Your thoughts? Well, it's really an interesting question because this Friday, agriculture, energy, veterans, transportation, and HUD all uh, run out of money or run out of appropriations. And it really is. It's it's an old record. We've We've had this played lots and lots of times. In the short run, it doesn't mean anything at all. In the long run, it's disruptive to planning. And the challenge is you you really have uh, Mike Johnson dealing with a very weak hand. Because of the uh, small, small majority, he really can't afford to lose anybody. And the people that he can't afford to lose all have different objectives. So I don't envy him because, you know, some are hung up on – the abortion issue through the uh, Defense Department, and that's their number one priority, and that's that the Defense Department pays for people to travel to have abortions. Some are hung up on the uh, Ukraine aid, thinking that maybe we shouldn't do that until we get the border secure. Some want to zero out Mayorkas' salary, which is symbolic more than real, but, you know, that's a big deal. And then you have other priorities. Some want to just cut spending. And you know, that's a good long-range objective, but it's hard to get that done within three days. So I'm not sure where it goes this time. I think they'll they'll do what they always do, which is kick the can down the road some in some form or fashion. But it really is a bad way to run the uh, government. And, you know, in this case, the Republicans had time to get their budget bills passed and just didn't get it done. So they get most of the blame. But on the other hand, Democrats aren't innocent either because anytime there's a deadline, they stick in a few bonus things that weren't in the original and say, well, if if you're really stuck in against the wall, then we, we want to add a few more things that uh, are part of our priorities that couldn't get through in a normal process. So your first question, how does it all end? I think the can gets kicked down the road, but no way to tell right now. It would seem that if the standard of review was the same as it was for Kevin McCarthy, they would probably boot mm-hmm. Mike Johnson, right? I mean, because isn't this the same scenario revisited? Oh, yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, Mike Johnson faces another big problem. The majority of his caucus would vote for Ukraine aid. Mm-hmm. Now, not not 100 percent, not 98 percent, but 60 percent would vote, go ahead and fund Ukraine. We need to do that. So he really is in in a tough situation. And I think the caucus also realizes, you know, elections are coming up in the fall. That's not that far away. And if they boot the speaker, what are they going to do? You're going to have chaos. And then how do you get a new speaker? And how does anything get done? And Obviously, if I'm, if I'm playing on Team D, I want them to kick Johnson out because then I can run on dysfunction and you need to give the majority back to us so that this won't occur again. So even some of the most radical people in the uh, the party realize that could be very self-destructive. But 
that hasn't stopped them from doing things in the past. And, you know, both parties could be self-destructive, but it's only obvious when you have a thin majority and you're the one on it with the spotlight. And so that's that's where they are right now. And it is an intriguing situation. I wish I had a clear, clear answer. But once again, best guess, kick the can down the road and then wait for the elections to see what we do in the in the long run. What do you think duration would be? Because it seems as though there's a more robust debate about that as well as to for how long this interim funding would would be provided, especially with the election in November, right? At this point, I would push it past the election. I mean, they all want to go home and campaign. Uh, It's going to be a tight, competitive race. You know, it, it looks like... You know, we sort of know who the top of the ticket is going to be on each side. So each one wants to either go and embrace the top of the ticket or distance themselves, depending on what works in their district. And so both sides want to get out of town. And my money would be on a longer term duration so that they don't have to be in town fighting about this when they want to be out campaigning. But based on the last Last time we went through this, it may not be a longer duration, maybe just a month or so, which, you know, just makes it look more dysfunctional. More dysfunctional and the possibility of, if it's possible, of being more contentious, right? Yeah, and it it is unfortunate. I An old-time uh, politician told me one time, and I said, what is the problem with Washington, D.C.? He said, jet airplanes. I said, what are you talking about? He said, before jet airplanes, we came up to Washington and we stayed. Our kids went into school, and we were here on the weekends, and we saw each other socially all through the session, and we got to know each other, and we developed working relationships. Once you had jet planes, everybody wanted to leave, and we only worked Tuesday through uh, Thursday. And nobody's around on the weekend. Nobody knows anybody. And it's it's a lot easier to demagogue somebody you don't know than somebody who whose kid plays on the same little league team as your kid. So I don't know if that's what caused it, but it was an interesting answer. It is an interesting observation, but it's so true as human nature, right? Yeah. I mean, you think about people you know, you say, well, yeah, I don't agree with them. But, but you know, that's David. That's just the way he is because – you do other things with them. And so you overlook that and, and you say, okay, we're going to agree to disagree on that, but we'll work on the things we can work on. And that's what I wish we could accomplish because there's a significant number of things that the both parties actually agree on, but it's hard to get them in the forefront now because people are looking for wedge issues. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, we never get clean bills any longer either. They're, all, they're always convoluted with something that has nothing to do with it. Cl- classic example, trying to bring the Ukraine funding into the budget bill or this funding into this or, or everything else. Or they same thing with the, with the border bill. It had all kinds of other nuances that had nothing to do with the border. And, you know, it's always providing political cover for one side or the other on these issues because of – of embracing other uh, things that just complicate it. All right, we got to get to a break. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We will be right back, folks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Guy, we haven't had a conversation on I-bonds uh, recently. What is the uh, current status? Well, and really, it's a good time to do it because uh, it is 100% government-backed because you're buying a bond from the government. You can buy up to $10,000 per Social Security number, as little as 25 bucks. But the big story is the rate. It's five and a quarter right now. So any bond you buy between, uh, you know, now and uh, the end of April, you'll get a five and a quarter rate. So really attractive, and that's a a fixed rate plus the uh, CPIU, the Urban Price Index Inflation. And one of the reasons I'm really pretty enthused about them right now is I'm not so optimistic that inflation is going to go down. We talked earlier about food prices. They've been persistently high. You know, food away from home is seven went up 7% last year, food at home about 5 And a lot of the things that are pushing that aren't going to go away. So your inflation index is pretty good. And the nice thing about these bonds is there's no service charge, there's no commission, and you just get a, a good return. It's sort of a classic set it and forget it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, um, too, uh, a number of folks, um, economists recently, it, it seems as though their outlook is mod, uh, is being modified. Uh, I don't know. I was reading over the weekend a bunch of different things, and I was like, hmm, this seems to be a little change in the winds here. Your thoughts? Yeah, and what we're seeing is people are – particularly in the economic community, they're not forecasting as many rate decreases as they used to. And you and I talked about it. I thought it would be three or less. A lot of people were predicting six. 
now the general economic consensus is, you know, three or less may be correct. Now, you know, who knows what will happen by year end, but that means that they're not seeing inflation drop as fast as they thought. Uh, it does look like, you know, the U.S. economy is pretty strong, pretty resilient, but it's also almost priced for perfection. I mean, the stock market has skyrocketed. It's hard to want to get in at prices like this. And, you know, you, you can't help but wonder if there's some, some event that could be a, a real problem, whether it's a natural disaster or an expansion of one of the wars that are, you know, affecting us around the world that creates a real problem. But right now the economists are beginning to look at fewer rate cuts, higher inflation, and makes the uh, – makes the uh, I-bond look a little better, makes the soft landing look, you know, still fairly fairly good, but uh, not predicting a recession. Does this have a lot to do with our relationships overseas? I mean, you know, we this Ukrainian uh, uncertainty, obviously, uh, the Middle East uncertainty, another issue, and then China. China always seems... Uh, um, to, to have a big influence on where we are. In fact, um, you point out the, the Chinese housing crisis and, and what that actually means for us with uh, currency exchange rates. Yeah, the foreign affairs are important. You know, we are an economy that relies on imports and exports. You know, we get a significant number of our inputs from overseas, and, and that's a good thing because we're getting them from people that produce them at a, at a good price, we add them to manufactured goods and make more. So having an effective global economy is good, but we're seeing cracks in the global economy. You have countries like Russia, China, and to a lesser extent, India, that are just ignoring the rules and saying, well, if we can get away with something, we're going to. And that makes the, the rules-based economy much more fragile than it was at one point. You know, we know that uh, China is buying almost half of Russian oil and gas right now, just defying U.N. sanctions and saying, well, we don't we don't care that they've invaded a sovereign country. We're, we're OK with that. And I think a lot of people are nervous as as people get tired of the war in Ukraine, if Taiwan is in danger next, because China may say, well, yeah, they'll be mad for a couple of years, but then they'll get over it. So there's no reason for us not to go ahead and do that. And that would be a much more devastating effect on the economy because Taiwan is much more interconnected to the global economy. Ukraine was more agricultural, some heavy metal, and heavy manufacturing. Taiwan is incredibly connected through semiconductors and electronics. So that would be a big problem if, if China makes a move in that direction. So talk to us about this Chinese housing crisis and, and how that relates to uh, exchange rates? Well, it's, it does several things. China is overinvested in real estate. It's hard for the average Chinese to buy stocks the way we do in the U.S., and it's hard for Chinese to move money. You can move $50,000 a year overseas if you're a Chinese citizen. So some of the Chinese that have done super well and created fabulous companies are worth billions are faced with a challenge, well, how do, I, how do I diversify my investments? And what had happened is almost every investor in China decided real estate was the way to go. And it was very similar to the U.S. before the 2008 financial crisis. 
real estate just kept going up. I mean, it was going up and up, and just it looked like there was no end in sight. And through 2021, there really was no end in sight because property sales were going up, new construction was going up, uh, loans were being made. But the significant difference for China compared to the U.S. is in China, you have a number of property loans that are based upon a future condo. So you're going to get a condo at a new development on the river. You pay for it now and start making payments, but it doesn't exist yet. It's just air. And when the uh, big Chinese company Evergrande collapsed, people started looking and realizing, wait a minute, some of these buildings may never get built. And some of the uh, owners said, well, I'm not going to pay on a condo that's essentially air promised to be built by somebody that doesn't have any resources. So there's what's called a renters and a buyer strike going on in China, which is not being covered very well because they don't like to talk about bad news, but it's sort of a rational response. Why would you pay for something that doesn't exist? China always, always looks for social stability. So if you see a crisis in China, and you want to know what they're likely to do, look at whatever is most likely to generate social stability and restore social stability. So in their case, what they're doing is lowering interest rates pretty rapidly compared to the rest of the world, which makes China a very cheap place to buy. People from Hong Kong, Singapore are flooding to China because everything's on sale. And what that does is it pushes uh, Chinese products into the rest of the world at a discount price. And while we might have exchange controls and tariffs, the rest of the world doesn't care. And India is probably the best example. If you give the uh, best price to an Indian businessman, they will take advantage of it. And they've always sort of played the neutral between us and the uh, the former Soviet Union. So India is buying the uh, discounted oil and gas from Russia. They're buying discounted goods from China. And their argument is, look, we're a developing country. We're not going to pay higher prices because of your geopolitical challenges. And, you know, so I understand that. If you're running a, a very big country trying to become uh, developed and move forward, it does make sense. So what we're seeing is that is causing a reduction in prices in China, fierce competition. And you and I have talked about the electric vehicle market. China is exporting electric vehicles and is going to overtake Tesla as the biggest maker of electric vehicles this year. And they're selling them everywhere but here. And say, well, it's, they're not selling them here. But what that means is the Teslas of the world can't sell in other markets if China is flooding them with uh, cheap products. So this Chinese crisis is leading to lower interest rates, leading to uh, lower prices in China, and real competition for us around the world as we try and compete with a very discounted uh, currency because they're trying to solve the uh, housing crisis. So it's a lot of dots to connect, but it comes back to uh, a tough competition situation for American manufacturers. I watched a, 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 um, a story on 60 Minutes last night. I don't know if you got a chance to see it about the U.S.-China relationship. They were uh, They were talking to Ambassador Burns about the delicacy of um, of our relationship with China 
and he he made the observation that a lot of this comes down to the political ideology that we have as to whether or not communism is better than a democracy or vice versa. How much do you see that playing in in what what you're looking at and evaluating? I would say it's the different ideology is definitely a big sticking point, but I would have. Uh, I wouldn't say correct him, but I would have reminded him, China's not communist. China used to be communist. Three-party congresses ago, they looked at their economy and they said, the only way for us to generate uh, a competitive economy globally is to embrace capitalism and let people own factories, let people own plants, let people own houses and apartments. And so they switched to a capitalist model. But what they kept was a totalitarian ruler on top, which they call the Communist Party. So it's easy to be confused and say, well, they're still communist. Communism is an economic system that they realized didn't work. They've switched to a capitalist economic system run by dictators. Now, the challenge is President Xi really likes Chairman Mao. And he said that if he could go back to Chairman Mao's rules and ideas, that's what he'd like to do. And most of us look at the Cultural Revolution, the starvation, the millions of people that died during Mao's rule and say, that doesn't seem like a great place to be. It's sort of like a, a Russian saying, I want to go back to Stalin, except Vladimir Putin did. He said the exact same thing. I love Stalin, the, the iron fist, and doing it his way. So that ideological difference is between a totalitarian and a democracy. They love capitalism, and they love to cut every corner they can. They don't they don't believe in rules-based capitalism, but they sure believe in uh, private ownership and making a profit. And they have no problem with shrinkflation and bumping the price if it'll uh, get them some more money. No doubt. They love the win for sure. This hour has flown by, as always. Guy Williams, President, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Have a great week. Oh, you're very welcome. So good to talk to you. See you. We'll be right back, folks. Ian Hoke is in for Scoot. We'll find out what he has coming your way. Ian Hoke's in for Scoot. What do we have coming up, Ian? Good afternoon, Sheriff. We're going to talk a little bit about the IVF ruling from the Alabama Supreme Court. We're going to talk about vocal fry and speak in the workplace. And we're going to talk about a controversy with celebrity prayer candles featuring who guests Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. That and much more coming up. Ian's up next. Stay tuned, folks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 